Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Coming up on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. We discuss the worst Brock vs. Roman WWE matchup, all-in announcements, which wrestlers would be Pokemon, is Cody Rhodes a better heel or face? The importance of wrestler entrances, the G1 Climax wrapping up, Batista's undying loyalty, and more. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Paul. And yeah, Paul, it's been a crazy week of wrestling, and it's only going to get more hectic after this weekend and next weekend with SummerSlam. It feels like we say that every week, because there's so much going on in the wrestling world right now. Uh, plenty to get to, as always, but first, a uh, couple things we want to get out of the way, starting with uh, your t-shirt. Yep, every week lately I've been doing a poll for which t-shirt I should wear. I've been giving the listeners and the viewers at home the power to choose which shirt I'll be wearing. So this week, El Generico won. It's a missing shirt. It says missing El Generico. For those of you guys who don't know, El Generico is Sami Zayn, or became Sami Zayn. But I don't know, there's some, you know, (laughs) there's some debate there. A lot of people think El Generico is gone and missing and, you know, he died. But we'll have to see. I saw a tweet, so I don't know. Sami Zayn's missing, so it's appropriate right now. Because he's out with injury. so It is. So follow <laughs> us at SuperKickingIt or at TwoFacedPod on Twitter. And that way you can vote in the poll every week. Decide what I'll wear. Plus we do a lot of other polls about wrestling topics. And I think it's a lot of fun to be involved and to have that interaction. So please follow us so that you can get involved. And you can also find us at TwoFacedPod.com. And that gives you all of the listening platforms to catch each episode every week. When it is uh, revealed on Friday morning. And don't forget to uh, check out our friends at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code KICKIT, that's K-I-C-K-I-T, and you'll get a bonus and get your account going. And uh, what, what better time is there to do it? You can bet on SummerSlam and, of course, all the NFL action kicking off. And, heck, college football is only three weeks away. So uh, plenty to gamble on. Just use the promo code KICKIT. 
and mybookie.ag. You'll even be able to bet on the new Halloween movie how many kills Michael Myers <laughs> is going to do in the movie. Uh, Raphael kind of told me that he's doing an article about that, doing some odds on that. That's pretty fun. Yeah. I'm a big horror movie fan, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so now let's get into the wrestling, which there's been so much of. SummerSlam's just around the corner, and man, I love that Paul Heyman interview. It was inconceivable how good it was. He kept saying that word, and the first thing I thought of was The Princess Bride, which is one of my favorite movies. The guy in that movie, he just keeps saying, inconceivable! So I kind of made a silly Photoshop edit. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it now. It was great. It's Paul Heyman's silly, (laughs) teary-eyed face on top of the actor's body who says inconceivable. But that was a great interview. I loved it. He is so convincing. It's like, he deserves an Oscar for that performance. I don't know if those were real tears or He's really talented. He's either a great actor or uh, about 30 seconds before they turn the cameras on, he rubbed some hot peppers right in his eyes because his eyes were all puffy and watering. Uh, he was great. And uh, I, 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 off of your Photoshop thing, I could see some Paul Heyman memes down the road, kind of like the Michael Jordan crying, a Paul <laughs> Heyman crying one. I, I think uh, we challenge you listeners to maybe come up with the best Paul Heyman crying meme for something else. And, uh, Send us some of your uh, answers, and we'll reveal some of them next week. Yeah, send it over at Two Faced Pod. I'd love to see. Uh, what there's got to be some good creative ones. Speaking of, you know, asking our listeners to come up with creative answers. Last week we were talking about who would play Vince McMahon in a movie based on his life. Well, I mean, a lot of good answers. Some people tweeted in. I know our good friends at Take the Bump Pod. They said that Steve Buscemi should play every character in the Vince McMahon. <laughs> movie role uh like you know stephanie shane vince it's all steve i think that would work and then he also of course made an awesome photoshop edit yet again he makes one ugly stephanie that's for sure (laughs) Yeah. yeah check out take the bump pod that's a great photoshop edit then someone said it's one of the villains from the goonies the actor's name is robert davey and if you guys don't know who he is google him he looks so much like vince he'd be the perfect guy then our good friend Jason underscore Span said it should be Mel Gibson. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> I was personally thinking that it should be Josh Brolin. Imagine like Vince McMahon, like Thanos kind of thing. Because, you know, Josh Brolin just played Thanos in the Avengers. That I just can imagine like Thanos walking like Vince McMahon. Obviously, Josh Brolin's a lot smaller than Thanos in real life. But he could work as Vince. I could just see a whole mixture of that thing happening. That'd be kind of funny. But thanks for your answers on that. And... You know, stay tuned to our Twitter because you could submit answers every week like that. Do you have one, Paul? Well, I was trying to think of somebody, and I, I think of him back with his hair slicked back and stuff. And uh, this is really an obscure reference uh, for a movie that came out in the '90s, had Jennifer Aniston and Edward Burns. But uh, the one of the main brothers from She's the One. I don't know the actor's name. It's like Malone or Maloney or something like that. But I could see him as a young Vince McMahon. Um, I also thought, for some reason, because I, I saw the news at the same time, Donald Trump Jr. could be Vince McMahon. What? <laughs> With the slick back hair when he was younger and stuff. That's so weird. <laughs> I guess I could see it. That's funny. <laughs> so there, there you go. That's what I came up with. Yeah, but send us your crying memes of Paul Heyman. That's the next challenge well, for Twitter. And... Remember, Vince McMahon was buddies with Donald Trump. Maybe Vince is Donald Trump Jr.'s father. 
Dun, dun, dun. That'd be I crazy. <laughs> I don't know. But let's get back to Raw. Another great thing I loved was the Ronda Rousey match. Mm -hmm. She looks so good. She just keeps doing very, very well in every situation she's placed in. We said this last week, but every week it needs to kind of be reiterated because she keeps surprising people, including us. She's doing so well. Man, the way she spiked that mic, <laughs> it like bounced up to the level of her face. Yeah, That's almost, how hard she spiked the mic. Almost hit her in the face. The other part of that match, too... I give a lot of credit to Alicia Fox, unless she really is legit crazy, because we talked about Paul Heyman's acting. She acts legit crazy. Like, there's something off about her. She's really good at acting crazy. Yes. I don't know. I think she's just really good <laughs> she, at it. That's she, her character. She's got it down. But it's good to see her back and getting a chance to... Uh, well, she had a good match yeah, with her. She yeah. did well. I think that was a good opponent because obviously she's a veteran mm -hmm. and knows how to kind of help somebody along who's newer in the ring. But yeah, I thought Ronda was great. Me too. Awesome. Another big WWE piece of news, Ruby Riot returned. I was glad to see her back. I really like her as a wrestler. I was missing her, so I'm glad to see her back. And I think the Riot squad is a lot better, obviously, with the leader, which is Ruby Riot. It kind of feels like, too... I know we've had this discussion, and people have asked us about it on the podcast, if there's ever going to be a women's tag team division. And it kind of seems with that faction, for now, Bailey and the boss are getting along and talking about what a great tag team they are. You know, Charlotte and Becky Lynch were talking about what a great tag team we make. You know, you've got the Iconics who are a tag team. It kind of makes me wonder if they are start of sort of working in the direction of maybe having a women's tag team. There are rumors of that. Yeah. There are definite rumors of that, and I think that is going to happen. Yeah. If um, if they expand the women's role, they might even do an all-women's show, which I'm kind of not for no. because it'll stretch them very thin. But I know a lot of people who are in favor of it, just not me, because I'm just afraid that it will not get as much attention when it's separated from everything else. And as I've said before, if they do do it, just have one tag team champion that can rotate between both shows because you don't have enough talent for both both to have a champion on each show i agree there's with no, that there's no way so uh for all the good on the show <laughs> it got off to a corny start when roman reigns went into the ring to confront kurt angle about keep keeping him away the previous week and and it, you know he said something along the lines of uh, if you kick out the dog who's going to protect the yard yeah, that was cringeworthy. Yeah, that was a cheesy line. But they are working their way towards uh, the big showdown at SummerSlam. Uh, this is going to be the fifth time that Roman and Brock have been in a match together. The sixth time. Or sixth, I'm sorry. There's been five previously. A couple involved three ways and fatal four ways and stuff like that. But sixth time they'll be in, in the ring together, and that got us thinking about a poll. It did. It'll so be their fourth singles match, their sixth overall match. And so. We released a poll because I had actually done a video for Wrestling Inc. on their YouTube channel ranking all of their matchups from worst to best. And I rewatched all the matches, of course, just so that I could have an objective and fresh perspective because it's been so long since I've seen something like, let's say, even WrestleMania 31. It's been a while since mm -hmm. I saw that match against Brock and Roman with the addition of Seth Rollins, which I love, by the mm -hmm. way. And spoiler alert, that was what ended up at number one. And I think that's really no surprise when it comes down to it because the matchup was really fresh. The term suplex city was coined there in that mm -hmm. match. So so Brock was doing a lot of suplexes, but it wasn't so much where he was relying only on suplexes throughout all the whole match. So to me, 
the match was perfect, and the cash-in is historic. Mm-hmm. really made it a great match. But we asked our listeners what they thought the worst match was. But before we go to the results, what did you think the worst one was? Well, I think the worst was probably the greatest Royal Rumble. Um, it just it didn't excite me in any way, and the ending was kind of clunky. I know they built it into a storyline. You mentioned the best being the uh, WrestleMania 31. I have that neck and neck with that Fatal 4-Way, because I... You know, you'll, you remember when we watched that Fatal 4-Way last yeah. year, I said that that was to that point, and I stand by it, I think, WWE's best match, or top two probably, of all of 2017. It was such a good match. So I have those two close. And really, you know, then there's the second tier, which you created, for which one would finish worst. Right. And, and for me, it's the Grand Royal Rumble. Yeah, that was my pick for worst as well. And a lot of people think that WrestleMania 34 was their worst matchup. And let's talk about that for a second, because you and I were there live and in person. And so, before I rewatched it, I didn't like the match at all. It was very hard to pay attention. The crowd was not into it. There was some medical emergency. A lot of people viewing at home <laughs> wouldn't know that, but we were really distracted. Somebody was just laying, I think, on the ground, and literally, like, EMTs were in the aisle for... Almost the whole match. Very distracting. And the crowd was chanting, this is awful. We want beach ball. This is boring. Mm -hmm. So they were not into it at all. And because of that, I just did not enjoy it. I couldn't pay attention to it. But upon rewatching it, I was actually surprised. And this is why I didn't pick it to finish last. I thought there were some great brutal moments that really I liked. That if it wasn't such a bad story, it would have even been higher on my list. Because I liked that, you know, Brock Lesnar busted Roman open and I liked how they showed blood and it was not just a little bit of blood looking back I was like whoa yeah seeing it from the stands we didn't realize how much blood that was yeah we knew he was busted open but not to the extent of being able to watch it back on TV later yeah that was crazy <laughs> like seeing that I was like whoa like I liked seeing that you know what didn't help the match though everyone thinking that Brock was leaving so they didn't want to root for him and then also just being tired of Roman getting the insane push he has gotten but yet saying oh you know, Brock is the corporate boy, when obviously the corporate <laughs> guy and the guy that the guys in charge want to be on top is Roman Reigns. So people just didn't like the story, and I can understand that, but if we're just looking at the match itself, I think that that match is better than people give it credit for. But, but. <laughs> in the poll, that brings me to the results, 43% voted the WrestleMania 34 match to be the worst matchup between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And people have given their reasons why at planet kayfabe said i'm going with 31 on top their matches haven't been great in my opinion especially the last two where the entire match was just hitting their signature moves and kicking out of them i'll have to rewatch like you did but that's how i remember it he goes on to say the whole thing about the most pushed guy of the last half decade who has gone over every active major star talking about how brock is vince's boy and corporate is against him didn't work for me then or now such a tone deaf angle i have to agree with them there the angle's terrible other people did say and agree with us about the greatest royal rumble yeah good guy dave said uh probably wasn't the best just because of uh how wwe itself treated that ending if they worked with it and used the botch in a storyline, that would have been one thing, but they embarrassingly fumbled 
And so that's his thought on it. Then at RPTBK said, the worst is 34. In fact, I would go to say that may be the worst main event in Mania history. <laughs> I mean, upon rewatching, I didn't think the match was that bad. I, I don't think it was the worst. And he must have a short memory because the year before WrestleMania's main event, Roman versus Undertaker, was a far worse match. Oh, I hated that <laughs> I match. I mean, obviously the ending and what happened with the Undertaker retiring, which of course didn't take anyway, but... Um, that was a far worse match as a main event of WrestleMania. So, At Wilfred Watches has a little bit different of a take on the whole thing. He said, I don't follow WWE any longer, but I fully believe the vest is hurting him. Looks weak behind a shield. Pun intended. <laughs> I have to agree, I hate the vest, but there's speculation that he's actually wearing like a weight belt underneath or, or support belt. You know, he did have like hernia surgery. How many years ago was that? I don't know, but a couple of years ago. So maybe he's wearing a belt because of that. But yeah, a lot of people complain that he hasn't changed his look. I'm not a fan of the look, even when he was in the Shield. But he could have separated himself from that gimmick and done something a little different. If he had to keep the vest, at least he could have changed something else up. Yeah. Like, the music? But no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, a lot of people seem to hate the WrestleMania 34 match, but at least some people agree with us about the Grace Royal Rumble. Because I just didn't like that match at all. The finish really ruined it for me. And it wasn't very long. Lots of suplexes. And suplexes after Suplex City had become kind of like a an overdone thing. Passe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's our whole Roman poll. Thank you guys for voting. Very interesting results. And, um, and of course, we're going to talk much more about their sixth meeting next week. And we'll, uh, we'll have Raphael on, hopefully, to uh, discuss some odds for SummerSlam. But that is next weekend. Let's look ahead now to this weekend as uh, the G1 is uh, coming to an end. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think there's this cute New Japan Pro Wrestling World English program. They've obviously been giving it away at some of their shows in Japan. But you can find it on NJPW1972.com. It's so cute. It's got these little animations about the matchups of the G1. It's got a little chart to show you who's, you know, standing where who is lost against who love it check that out you can get caught up on what's happening and see cute little drawings at the same time but man i'm very excited i'm actually really excited about naito versus zack saber jr coming up also everyone's talking about abushi versus kenny omega we've been waiting to see this matchup forever they had great matches in ddt which was a promotion they were both in before they were in new japan pro wrestling and those matches are quite hard to find, but they were kind of voted for match of the year in Japan multiple times. They worked together in DDT and against each other, and so now this is the first time in a while we've seen them against each other again. I'm really looking forward to it because I know they can deliver. Well, before we even get to looking ahead to what happens there, let's let's look at some of the matches from this past week okay. uh, since the last time we were on. And speaking of Kenny Omega, that brutal match <gasps> with Ishii where... If you're squeamish, there was one picture of Kenny's lip basically just hanging off. <laughs> that was so gross and like blood pouring out of it. Yeah, that was a, a brutal match and a really good match. And Ishii, we mentioned it last week, has had a great tournament. He, he doesn't have the points, but he's had a great, I mean, his matches have all been entertaining for the most part. Yeah, I've liked every single one of them. Again, his match against Zack Sabre Jr. really stands out to me. I love that match. So right after that Omega match was another good match between Naito and Ibushi. You had a funny line at the beginning of that match because that followed Kenny Omega with the lip thing. And Ibushi busted his lip open early in the match. And you said, did Ibushi bite his lip so he could be like Omega? Which I thought was a funny line. 
Uh, yeah, kindred spirits. Exactly. He wanted to be like his favorite boy. But an even more impressive Abushi match, I think, was his match against Tomatonga. And it's because of that crazy, insane spot where he literally ran up into the second story and walked along the railing, which was insane, by the way. I thought he was going to fall off and tumble away. He did a moonsault off of that railing on the second story balcony. Crazy. And he high-fived a fan in the crowd before he did it. And I was thinking to myself, oh my god, I hope none of the fans like reach out to touch him or pat him because what if he loses his balance and falls over? But instead, he ends up touching them. He's a risk taker, I tell you, but that was awesome. Shades of old school Ibushi, I really liked it a lot. Suzuki and Okada was so good. Uh, Red Shoes getting involved with the, he confronts Suzuki with the chair, and then he's going to use the chair to protect himself, um, beating the hell out of each other. I mean, they've had so many good matches. I know, this is like no surprise at all that this match was great, because if you look back to Suzuki's 30th anniversary at the Pirate Festival, their match in the rain outside, which is one of my favorite matches ever, just because of how it looks. This is the first time they matched up again after that, so it didn't fail to deliver like like they always deliver. So I was happy to see that. Of course, that kind of made it impossible for Suzuki to win, so I was a little bummed out about that. But this funny new Okada personality is so weird with the balloons and the red hair and then just the new different attitude. I like it, though. I like how he's not the same... IWGP Heavyweight Championship Okada. He had to change it up because he lost it, and he's trying to get his groove back. I like that. That's really, really good character detail work that I'm really digging. And I love the remix, too. It kind of goes with the new character, the remix of his song. And prior to that match, uh, Suzuki took on Hangman Page, and Hangman Page also hasn't had a lot of success point-wise, but that was a terrific match, the two of them getting in each other's faces. Uh, at one point, Suzuki yelling at Paige you know, to hit him and says, Come on, boy. And then Paige yells back at him, Come on, a-hole. <laughs> so that stuff was uh, really good. And then a couple of A-block highlights. Uh, Jay White continues to torment the announcers. <laughs> he uh, says on camera, as he uh, drags Yoshihashi out, he spots Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero, and he's like, oh, there are my friends. And then he repeatedly throws Yoshihashi into the railing, and Kevin Kelly flips out and says, you already knocked us off the air three GD times. So, <laughs> I thought, GD. Uh, a couple other highlights for me. Uh, Evil taking on Okada a couple nights later, and Evil using red shoes to uh, hit the mag- magic killer. He, he he props Okada up on Red Shoes and then hits the Magic Killer and uh, and Red Shoes look of, I didn't mean to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, Red Shoes being defiant, too, is some of my favorite parts of the G1 this year. He's kind of standing up to some of the wrestlers and getting in their face, and I love when he flicked off some of the wrestlers. That was awesome. I mean, Red Shoes is my favorite. How can anyone not like him? Yeah, that was great when he came in as a substitute ref and pretended to count, and then it was like, no, and stood up and flipped flipped the firing squad off. I thought that was Amazing. really good. Yeah, and other prominent things, Zack Sabre Jr. might get a title opportunity against Goto because he won his G1 match against him. So I think there's going to be a rematch of that match set up for the title, which I'm really looking forward to. And I think I have a good feeling that they will put it on Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, we talked a little bit about it, but Tama Tonga, along with the rest of the firing squad, have certainly had an impact in this tournament. Uh, they've gotten great heel heat, but uh, Tom and Tonga may be getting too much heat, at least from the office. 
I really don't know if this is storyline or not. I'm thinking it is. So New Japan on NJPW1972.com, you could see they've got like a little news release and it says there'll be disciplinary actions against Tomatonga because we don't like you know, his attitude and how he's been acting. And so he lashed out against somebody in the crowd and it was really intense. That was crazy. Also, some things on Twitter he's been tweeting, apparently they don't like. Wrestling Inc. reported about that. The tweets are hilarious, though. I don't think there's anything that wrong with the tweets themselves. Like, if you look at one, it's about flaming hot Doritos. <laughs> and he's just like, eat me. Like, I'm a flaming Dorito. Like, eat me. I don't know. It's stupid. It's, it's silly. It's not that bad. But then what made me question that if it was serious or a work was that Kenny Omega in one of his backstage interviews said that they're trying not to curse as much anymore. They're trying to be more PG language-wise. So I'm like, oh, are they really seriously upset with Tama Tonga for cursing so much and stuff? I love the whole zero Fs given. In one of you know Tama Tonga's latest matches, he was mouthing that, talking about his military service. Like, you know, I served in the military. I could sure as heck do this and do that and do whatever I want and... I don't know. I love it. And I love his shirt that says Zero F. <laughs> so as we look ahead to the weekend, uh, first with the A block, Tanahashi has 14 points. He takes on Okada, who has 12 points. And Jay White has 12 points. He goes against Evil. And I've got a storyline idea. For, I, don't know, I, I hate to say prediction, but something I could see being pretty cool is Jay White beats Evil. And then as Okada and Tanahashi are battling. He comes in and, for two reasons, hits Okada with a chair or something, A, to, to get dominance over uh, Chaos, but also it would give Okada the win by disqualification. And so then they would all have 14 points, and Jay White has both tiebreakers. So he could win the the A block by that that whole scenario. So that would be cool. <laughs> I put some thought into that. That was your prediction <laughs> yes. in the beginning. That so. Jay White might win the A block. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's why I like this whole scenario. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why you came up with it. But uh, I'm really excited about what's unfolding, and the finals are going to be great. I'm so excited for the finals. But a really touching moment. You know, Naito's doing really well in the tournament, and he beat his stable mate, his faction mate, Sonata, and then you know. The rest of the members of LIJ minus one came out to celebrate. And of course, the person who's missing is Hiromu Takahashi, who is going to be out. People are thinking nine to 12 months because of the style of wrestling he does. He's waiting for the bone to heal. And uh, they brought his jacket down to the ring. So that was yeah, kind of was touching. Cool. And they were talking about, the English translator said they were talking about how there was somebody missing. And, you know, he's going to be back. We don't know if it's a little or a long time away from him returning, but we look forward to come back soon. Naito uh, will conclude his B-block action, speaking of him, uh, going against Zack Sabre Jr. He's currently tied with Kenny Omega at 12 points. Kenny goes against Kota Ibushi. Ibushi's got 10 points. Uh, Naito needs some help. He needs Ibushi to, uh, to beat Kenny, and uh, then he could get through. But uh, still wide open as we head into the final night. I'm really looking forward to Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr., like I said. I think that's going to be a great match, an underrated match, because everyone's looking forward to Omega and Ibushi, which I know will be great too, but I I don't want to underestimate the greatness of Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. I think it's going to be really cool. I can't wait to see it. So the the block finals uh, take place Friday night, Saturday morning, and then uh, the actual final will take place 
uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and we are going to uh, go live immediately after the end of the show with our uh, our thoughts on who the G1 Climax winner is. Yeah, I am going to try my best to stay up. I'm going to buy a McDonald's sweet tea or something because that always keeps me awake for some reason. Coffee doesn't really do it, but the tea does. I'll have to buy one of those, chug it, and hopefully stay up. I've done it before for, like, Wrestle Kingdom, for Dominion, so I think I'll be able to. But, yeah, stay tuned to at TwoFacedPod on Twitter, and you'll find out where our video is. We'll be releasing it right afterwards. Yep, so we're looking forward to it. Uh, That's our... Our uh, extended segment that we put out on social media called Spare Change. Uh, We've done it after uh, several main uh, event uh, shows, and uh, we'll do it again coming up on uh, Sunday morning. Yep. And um, moving on, NXT had a decent show this past week. The debut, this is my favorite part, of Keith Lee. (laughs) Besk in his glory. Yeah, he, he, uh, he looked good. Uh, his opponent, his opponent was somebody we had actually seen at a house show who was actually kind of impressed us at a house show too. Uh, so both guys were making their TV debut, but obviously Keith Lee was going to get the victory and, uh, uh, the crowd seemed to like him from what I, I saw. I mean, oh. they, they were, they were chanting his name as he came down singing bask in his glory. So, yeah, I mean, he was literally instantly over, which is exactly what I expected. You know, you can never tell though, because the NXT crowd are are in the know. Right. They know who people are from the independent scene and stuff. So who knows if you moved on to the main roster, how many people would be singing that. But it was great to hear at least the NXT crowd sing it. Oh, bask in his glory. And we got the chance to do that once upon a time. So yeah. maybe one day we'll get to do it again. Hope so, because he is an awesome, awesome talent. If you uh, don't, don't follow the indie scenes and NXT is the first time you've seen him, you're going to like watching him. Oh, yeah, you definitely will. And, uh, Obviously, there's going to be some changes for the main event with Aleister Black out hurt. Apparently, it's some kind of injury, and they did kind of try to cover it up at the end of the show. They're obviously laying the groundwork to take Black out of the match. They showed him unconscious, laying on the ground, not responding at the very end. So, obviously, they're probably going to say, oh, he's not going to be in the takeover match. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. And it certainly is setting the stage, as we mentioned last week, for Gargano and Champa again, this time with the title on the line. Look, it'll be a great match. It, it's just unfortunate that that's been done the last couple of pay-per-views. So. Yeah, definitely. So another cool thing is recently you and I were on a conference call with people like Conrad Thompson and other members of StarCast's Podcast Row, talking about what StarCast is going to be like leading up into All In. I'm so excited. There's a lot of announcements ahead and a lot of fun things that they're planning. If you're going to be at StarCast, please come and see us on Saturday. That's the day of All In. We'll be on Podcast Row. There's a map out now on StarCast on Twitter. You'll be able to see where Podcast Row is located in the hotel It's really, really exciting. I know that it's a big opportunity for us to spread our podcast to other people who haven't heard of us. And it's a great opportunity for the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, and other people to spread their brand and their show. And we're going to be getting a lot of interviews to help them do that. So look out, guys. Stay tuned to our social media and to Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel. And uh, we've got a giveaway to announce, not by us, but by our friends at View from the Top Rope, who uh, 
we will be sitting with at All In, but uh, apparently they have an extra ticket and have a pretty good idea what they're going to do with it. Yep, they have an extra ticket, and this is how you can enter to win in the contest. It's a free ticket to All In, but you got to pay, obviously, for your own travel. You get to sit and hang out with them, but also us, so it should be a lot of fun. So the, the way you do it is follow View From The Top Rope. They're on Twitter, at View From Top Rope. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review and screenshot that. Send it to at view from top rope on Twitter and use the hashtag VFTR all in. Again, that's hashtag VFTR all in. The winner will be chosen at random on August 19th at 3 p.m. Central Time. Hoping that the uh, winner is in driving distance because that's going to be some last-minute travel. Yeah, I know. Huh? <laughs> so be 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 good if uh, the winner is from like uh, you know South Chicago or Milwaukee or something like that. That would uh, be convenient for them, but yeah, hopefully they're going to enter knowing that they can make it there. Hopefully, and they're going to see a great show and uh, some more uh, matches have been added. Yeah, there's an updated card. Some people have been complaining about the card. But I don't know why. Like, some people are saying that casuals aren't impressed with Okada versus Marty Skrull. Because the casuals might not realize that that's a, actually a match that can't happen in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Even though they're both on the New Japan roster. They're not in the same weight class. So you're not going to get a one-on-one -on -one singles match in New Japan Pro Wrestling with Marty Skrull versus Okada. So, yeah, I guess the casual fan wouldn't know that. But even if you didn't know that, it's still a matchup we have not seen before. If they think that, oh, that they're just two people on the same roster, it's still two people on the same roster who have never met up before. And that's pretty much a well-known thing. And they're touting it as a special meetup because it hasn't happened before. So, I don't know. I'm happy with the card so far. And it's Nick Aldis versus Cody Rhodes, of course, for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Hangman Page versus Joey Janela. Kazuchika Okada versus Marty Skrull, like I said. Rey Mysterio, Bandito, and Phoenix versus the Young Bucks and Kota Ibushi. That should be an underrated, awesome match. High-flying, lots of spots, incredible. I can't wait. Well, we'll get to Phoenix when we talk about Impact here in a moment. But yeah, to me, that's going to be a phenomenal match. I can't believe it's going to be fun to see Ibushi work with the Young Bucks. Because obviously we saw them go against each other. <laughs> and we saw them in the ring with each other, like, you know, hugging. But not really working together like, in a tag match. This is going to be so unique and awesome. I'm very excited. And then I think, honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but this is almost my top choice for a match I'm anticipating the most is Stephen Amell versus Christopher Daniels. If you remember, Stephen Amell had a match against Cody Rhodes back in WWE when Cody Rhodes was Stardust. And it was it was a multi-man match. I think Neville was involved, if I remember correctly. Stephen Amell was one of the best celebrity wrestlers I had seen in a long, long time. It was obvious that he took it seriously, that he trained. But, you know, we only saw so much because WWE has restrictions. This time, I know he's probably training a lot longer, a lot more, and is taking it really seriously because he knows how big of a deal All In is. And he even is kind of cutting promos on Cody Rhodes' latest All Us video, if you check out Cody Rhodes' YouTube channel, there's a video series called All Us. And the latest one is great. It's got Madison Rain. There's a highlight all about her and how she's honored to be on the show All In. She's going to be going against a whole bunch of other great female wrestlers. Also, another big announcement that's come out of All In is that the, I guess you could call it a pre-show in a way, but it's bigger than a pre-show. 
It's called All In Zero Hour, and that will air on WGN America. That's a huge deal. Yep, it's going to be uh, fun, and obviously more matches to come. Uh, but we mentioned Phoenix there in that uh, six-man tag match. That leads us to uh, Impact, and we're going to start with last week and the OVE versus the Lucha Brothers, and obviously Phoenix involved in that match. And I remember saying to you in that match how awesome Phoenix I mean, the one move he did over, the, like, the turnbuckle uh, was so good. I, I, I'm i really impressed watching Phoenix. Him and Pentagon are so good together. And uh, OVE was great, and you loved Sammy. Speaking, <laughs> we talked about Paul Heyman crying earlier to start this segment. How about Sammy Callahan? Yeah, I mean, this is, like, the second time he's cried recently. <laughs> because, remember, he cried when his hair got shaved right. off. I love when he cries because he's so evil, yet he's showing, like, this evil cry and this different side. Like, oh, the beast has emotions. This monster has some kind of emotions. Yeah, but he's still scary. So I don't know how you can make crying scary, but he somehow manages manages to do it. LAX and the OGs had something going on last week. They started the show this week with a brawl in the concourse. Loving that rivalry. We, we, we heard from LAX last week. Uh, that rivalry is a lot of fun. Something cool this week, too. Matt Seidel versus Pentagon Jr. What a great matchup. Two high-flying people who obviously put on a great match. Yep, and uh, Eddie Edwards uh, last week attacked Austin Aries, setting up the title match this week. And that kind of brings us to this week's uh, show. And as Kelsey mentioned a moment ago, Seidel versus Pentagon it wasn't as high-paced as I really thought it was going to be. I love Pentagon's chops, though. He is brutal with those chops, and he ends up getting the win with the package pile driver, which led to the video package by OVE, where Sammy Callahan makes Jake Christ shave Dave Christ's head, showing the power that he has over that group. And it'll be interesting to see if all three end up with shaved heads. And then finally, the Eddie Edwards match, as we talked about, acting unhinged, and he ends up getting taken out by Killer Cross, helping out Austin Aries, Austin Aries retaining the title. Now, hit our music, because we're talking entrances next in Heads and Tails. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and now it's time for our extended discussion, which usually covers topics from wrestling past, present, or future. This week, the topic is wrestler entrances. Yep, this is Heads and Tails. Alright, so this all starts from a question from good guy Dave. Uh, how important do you believe a wrestler's entrance theme, video package, and overall entrance is? Promotions do it differently from Ring of Honor or to WWE to Impact. The B team on Raw changed their music and it got negative reviews. How do you th think it affects wrestlers and fans alike? Well, I think a wrestler's entrance is very important. I feel like it represents... The wrestler as a character it helps the wrestler connect to the audience and 
perhaps in some cases gets the wrestler over with the audience based on the entrance as a whole alone. And some wrestlers start off with an entrance drastically different than, you know, later on in their career mm -hmm. or later after their character has developed further. Like in the case of the New Day, I want to use that as kind of like an example. When the New Day gimmick kind of started, they were more like serious and kind of like preachers. Right, exactly. And that's all Vince McMahon. If you want to hear more about that story, check out The New Day on Talk is Jericho from like a year or two ago. So good, them talking about how they kind of pitched the idea to Vince, and Vince was like, let's have you be preachers. And luckily, The New Day ran with it and got so good and got themselves over that they could make it whatever they wanted. But, you know, starting with what the entrance used to be, and especially the rent the entrance video it was like you know a choir clapping and like them like standing and being mm -hmm. serious and now look how crazy it's become it's really representative of who they are now they're silly but they've got a lot of personality and i feel like that's all right on the table when you see them enter their the ring and go down the ramp well because they to me when they went to that initial gimmick they were on their way to being jobbers yeah because the crowd either didn't like it flat out or was apathetic to it so them changing going to positivity the bootios the pancakes completely changed them into this incredibly over faction even though factions aren't in the wwe but this group and uh it it, it does show how you know an entrance can change how you feel about somebody really yeah definitely um I think they were really successful at kind of changing it and getting over with the song and just with their antics. So that's a very successful example. But let's go through some of our other favorite re wrestling entrances. There are so many good ones throughout all of wrestling history. It's kind of hard. I even picked out, this is a lot, but 25. Because <laughs> there are just so many good ones. And this is just scratching the surface, really. And like I said, the reason why entrances are important is because it really draws the viewer in it gets them invested in some cases and in other cases it's just something to make you have an attachment with a particular wrestler i i would go as far as to say especially in wwe i think a lot of times people are there almost to hear the entrance themes as much as seeing the wrestling because you know look when stone cold's glass broke place goes ape you know what you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully so, too. It was such a cool entrance. It's one of the coolest of all time. In fact, it's on my list. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think, and it's a nostalgia factor, too. Look, you can hear the first few lines of Hulk Hogan's theme song, and it transports you back to the 80s, and it brings you back to him taking on Andre the Giant. You know, you could randomly hear it, right, like, anywhere, and not in a wrestling realm, and you'd be like, oh, my God. I'm a real American. I'm taking my vitamins, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. So I think a not nostalgia factor is a big part of it. But, you know, I mean, there's also the flip side of, you know, there are guys that have gotten by with bad entrances, but they were so good. Or take, like, uh, Tommaso Ciampa right now comes out to silence, but he's so good, it fits him perfectly. That too. entrance, though, like, if you take the whole thing minus the theme, right. literally – that is, his entrance has a style, yeah. and it works for him. Absolutely. And that is, like, the definition of a perfect entrance. So to answer Dave's question, I think an entrance in its complete form, not just the theme, everything involved, like pyro, other elements, 
uh, how they walk down, all that is so important to me. Yeah, I mean, I, like, and uh, some of these are on your list, and you're going to go through them. Marty Skrull, to me, is a perfect example. Yep, it's on my list. The, the entrance is tremendous, the video package, the music, you know, uh, other than the whoop-whoop. The costumes, <laughs> the you know, costumes. the mask, the umbrella. If he was just a guy with an entrance, I don't think he'd be over, because we've talked about it. He's a good wrestler, but not the wrestling he does is not overly exciting. So you're saying if he had, like, a plain entrance, he, he might not, not be as over. He may not be the same guy. He may not be in the Bullet Club, you know, he may, you know all that. So the whole video package, which I have said over and over, the video package and the music is one of my favorites in wrestling right now and probably of all time. Yeah, if you can't remember what the video package looks like, go on YouTube and Google it because it's so good. I, I just love the visuals that go along with it. I, I think it's perfectly done. And, um, you know, Portrait of a Wrestler, who's on Twitter, he does a lot of British wrestler photography. He actually is the one who did that video package, he told me. Um, also, he did, like, a Jimmy Havoc calendar. And we're going to talk more about that in uh, sending them home a little later in the show. You've got uh, you've got a tie-in with Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll hear about that later. But let's get to the entrances. Okay, so I'm going to list these 25, and, and there's a few honorable mentions, but you can chime in on your thoughts, too. <laughs> okay. All right, so obviously I got to say Suzuki because the song's amazing. Him having a towel draped over his head just kind of creates like a mystique. And when he takes off the towel and has that growl like and stare and just grimace, it's perfect. It suits him. The crowd loves the song itself. They clap along. Even though he's a bad guy and his song's really not kind of what reminds you of a bad guy, it still works together somehow. Well, and the fact that that is so over that American fans that don't speak Japanese are singing that one Japanese lyric in the middle of the song, <laughs> Kaza ni nere. You know I sing it all the yeah, time. So, uh, so and that, it's my alarm ringtone. That's a good one. Uh, we'll let you uh, plow through these since you've got so many of them. Finn Balor. Down. Obviously, we talked about Marty Skrull. Finn Balor's is self-explanatory because, you know, the... Um, the, when he paints himself as the demon, it's so incredible, the artwork that goes into his body paint, his face paint, and obviously the, the song's amazing. Speaking of the demon, I really miss that entrance, and I miss him dressed up as the demon. Me too. I wish they'd get back to it for at least a couple pay-per-views a year. At least SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah. Everyone speculated maybe he'll finally be the demon, but I don't I think so. so. But he is my Black Power Ranger from last week. I, I remember, remember. <laughs> yes. So then, of course, I love Kenny Omega's theme, and he's had some really cool video packages for big events. Like, he did a whole spoof on the Terminator mm -hmm. for Wrestle Kingdom that was so well done, where he looked just like the Terminator, kind of reenacted that scene where the Terminator's asking for people's clothes. Uh, loved it. And then Stone Cold, we talked about that earlier, the breaking of the glass, iconic, and the song's awesome, too. When I heard that at WrestleMania 30, live and in person, I know you feel the same oh. way. I got goosebumps. And then The Rock, and then Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Like, three great entrances all at once. Three legends in the ring. Like I said, it was great that the legends were in the ring at the same time, but I think the entrances really kind of added, no pun intended because The Rock was there, it added an electricity mm -hmm. in the... Superdome. It was amazing. Yeah, it got the show off to an amazing start. It was almost like uh, you worried if that was going to be the best moment of the show, having those three entrances. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> of course, I'm going to a more old school pick, but uh, Ric Flair, one of the best entrances ever. 
along with what he's wearing, with the ring, you know, attire, the robes. It's so regal, so majestic. It goes perfectly with who he was as a character, and the song fit him perfectly as well. Nakamura, you know, someone who had so many drastic entrances. If you go back to his time in New Japan, I love that entrance theme and the way he came down to the ring, but it got even better when he debuted at NXT TakeOver against Sami Zayn, and we heard that epic new theme for the first time. And they did so many great live versions of it with the violin. Mm -hmm. um, I love it. But when they changed it at first, I was worried and I didn't like it with that rap. Now I love it. Now you've got it on Spotify. And <laughs> I do. And it kind of goes with his heel character. So that's perfect. And of course, the way he kind of goes and throws himself down on the ring ropes, that's perfect. My only complaint about it? is the announcers talk over it all the time. So you don't really get to hear the new version that often. So if you haven't really gotten a sense of the song, you ought to go to Spotify and download it and listen to it because it is pretty good. It's great. I love <laughs> it. I'm really kind of addicted to it now. <laughs> and this is kind of a strange pick, a newer pick. You kind of inspired me to choose this because you like it a lot, The Bar. It is so good. It... I, I love the music. I love the way the light hits. I love, you know... Cesaro saying his thing and the and the steady cam working its way around and of course uh, you know they they were in the main event Thursday night in the SmackDown that's why I pointed it out when they lost to the New Day which I was surprised by by the way we yeah didn't it was a good that. match too yeah but uh, yeah I love that entrance I do too and you could tell how much work and thought they put into it they're like oh let's do this let's have, like have these like outfits let's do this thing where we point to the middle <laughs> I just love every element and you could tell they've worked together and uh, I think Cesaro is such a good tag team wrestler because I think he really ends up bonding with whoever he works with and that really comes across in the tag team itself and it's really come across in this entrance yeah theme. people probably have already forgotten he was tag team with uh, Tyson Kidd yeah and they got along so well as as well mm -hmm. so uh, I just such a good entrance that's kind of underrated and not talked about Brock Lesnar haters gonna hate but you know what you can't deny that Brock Lesnar's theme is epic the way he like does the whole muscle ah scream thing and then the fireworks used to go off at the exact same time which we kind of lost for a while when WWE stopped doing pyro but that's epic and I don't think anyone could argue even if you don't like Brock as a champion you can't say his entrance hasn't always been awesome and epic mm -hmm. DDP just because I love DDP bang <laughs> yeah of course that's just such an iconic move and a great it's me it's me it's DDP it gets stuck in your head it's definitely worth putting on the list randy orton i love the pose i love the song i love like the slinky way like a snake he comes down to the ring just slow calculating and he moves flawlessly in the ring but also in his entrance when he does that pose you try to do that pose it looks easy but it's really hard to do no and the song is great and that's been performed live at a wrestlemania as well um i that's a song i, I went and bought off itunes because I, I like that song so much again but even more than the song, like everything about it, the way he poses, mm -hmm. etc., that makes up the whole thing to make it even better. And now, similar to Brock Lesnar, I put Batista. I love the whole machine gun thing. It might not be one of your favorites, but it's always been one of mine with the pyro. I liked it, except he was never coordinated to the machine guns. He, <laughs> Whatever. He was always, like, way off. Like, the guns would be going, and he'd just get started, and it, he... It, you know, for as many times as he did it, do you think he would have been able to coordinate it a little better? Well, we're going to talk a lot more about Batista in the Closing Home segment as well. Okay. He's great. I love him, and I don't care what anyone says. And another throwback pick, but you've got to put them on the list, the New Age Outlaws. Because oh, who... you didn't know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who doesn't love singing along to that and basically saying all the words? Yeah, no, I, I've 
I've been to many a show with that, and that was so over during the Attitude Era. Um, you know, Billy Gunn, you know, doing his part, Road Dog. I mean, it that arguably is, is I mean, the Attitude Era may have been one of the best eras for entrances because yeah. you mentioned Stone Cold and The Rock and and the New I've Age got, Outlaws. I've got two more to add to that list <laughs> from back in the Attitude Era and that time Kurt Angle. And Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kurt Angle, it just fits him to a T. The medal around his neck always added to it. I thought the Olympic medal added like an air of reality and legitimacy to his character along with the music. And of course, people adapted the You Suck because he was a heel at one point. Right. Now it's stuck and he's not even a heel, which I kind of don't like. No, but you're not losing that one. No, <laughs> never. And Jericho, that's probably one of the most iconic ever. Probably has to be in the top five. Like, imagine being there live when he debuted on Raw. That was so epic. And the storyline leading up to it was so well done, and I remember watching that Raw. It was uh, it was cool. Very cool. An awesome video package, too, by the way. His original video mm-hmm. package had, you know, a really uniqueness to it. And the I whole it. And the whole playing into the Y2K fear. Very you know, smart. It was so good. It was, it was really well done. Uh, another old school throwback, Mr. Perfect. I just think it perfectly fit him, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, the batting away of the gum, and just, I loved every bit of it. Goldberg, one of the most iconic entrances ever, with the pyro, with breathing out the smoke, and then the security ridiculously following him. <laughs> Why does he need security? <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. You, you mentioned that you were happy to finally kind of witness that in person, and I really hadn't seen it much in person uh, I did see him during his heyday in WCW, so I had seen it a little bit, but to get to see it at WrestleMania 33 uh, was awesome. Yeah, and you know, some people talk about having mixed feelings about Goldberg returning. I was a big fan of it. I guess really a big part of the reason was I got to you know say Goldberg, <laughs> Goldberg live. Yep. Another really epic one, which could be number one on everybody's list, is The Undertaker. Gives you goosebumps, gives you chills. Obviously, it's perfectly in tuned with his character. The smoke adds to it a lot, too. The gongs, like the slowness of him coming down to the ring. And all the extra elements when he has special matches, like his WrestleMania matches. Like the one against Brock Lesnar with all the coffins. Mm -hmm. Loved it. And look, even his ones as as the American Badass weren't bad. They were still thematic. Yeah, but... They so paled in comparison to the Dead Man entrances. Yeah, I mean, you just really can't beat that. Uh, another one that I kind of recently started liking was Goto. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like New Japan Pro Wrestling or don't watch it, uh, it's a really epic theme song. But the reason I picked it, not just for the song, just the way he walks down to the ring, he really kind of looks like a samurai. He dresses like that. His like, ring gear is a lot like that. And so the song has that kind of feel. And so the whole thing fits perfectly with him. Uh, Okada obviously has a great one with the the coins falling and like we talked about a little bit earlier. I'm not a big fan of the remix. You're not. It's growing on me. No, not me. Suzuki remixed his too, and at first I hated it. Now that's growing on me too. I I like the originals on both. I do like (laughs) the originals better though. I will say that. I mean, I like the new ones, but the originals there's nothing that beats them. Naito has a great entrance. Mm -hmm. He comes down in that white suit. Takes so long taking it off. Love the song. Um, Love just the way he kind of goes in the ring and puts his fist up great i've watched so much new japan over the last few weeks i woke up the other morning and naito's theme song <laughs> was in my head as i woke up like i got out of bed and the first 
thought in my head was Naito's theme song. So, it's so catchy, that's why. <laughs> I guess. Well, I'm somebody, watching way too much wrestling. Um, Jay Lethal. Somebody whose entrance doesn't get enough love. I love the song. I love how epic and old school he seems when he just like raises his arms and he's in the ring and then it's just so perfectly suited to him. Some, here's some weird ones here. Broken Matt, I love the way he used to come in in Impact Wrestling. This is an important distinction because I love the way Rebby Hardy, his wife, would play on the piano live. And a lot of times Maxwell, his son, would be with her like on her back in like a little uh, <laughs> carrier. Just perfectly done. Then he gets in the ring and starts saying delete. To me, the Woken character in WWE is not the same and as good as the Broken character. So the entrance is still good, but just not at the same level, just a little bit below. Uh, David Starr has a great entrance, not because of his theme, but because of the awesome <laughs> intro that he makes every wrestling announcer say for him. And I love how he like works that into his like heelish little spiel. Speedball Mike Bailey has a great entrance where he kicks people's you know hands and arms as he comes down to the ring, which is perfect for his character. The Briscoes, they're great too. I also like Sasha Banks' entrance. Mm -hmm. And finally, Tama Tonga. Uh, a couple others I'll throw in. Uh, we've, we've mentioned before, we're not a big fan of many of the impact themes. Uh, I love Rosemary's. Uh, I have her song downloaded. I think it's awesome. And, uh, Sue Young. Sue Young's. Yeah. We love Sue Young's, uh, entrance theme. Uh, so the undead bride has a great one. Uh, historically, one of my favorites, um, was, uh, the brood and Gangrel. Oh, that, and the way they came up through, through the, the flame with the goblet and the fangs and all that yeah, that was all good the fake blood yeah. it's all part of the experience so a really an entrance can kind of take a just mediocre wrestler and make people think he's a great wrestler and connect with him more than they would have otherwise and uh an, one from the 80s uh who we lost a few years ago ultimate warrior another one that as soon as that music hit building goes a a you know what so um that was always a great one so i mean there are iconic things again like i said at the beginning of the segment where you just hear it and it it resonates with you even you know 20 25 years later it's not just themes though again like this is important to distinguish right, right, right. we're talking about the whole experience well, I and mean, that's un why we undertaker these. running down the ramp like i mean uh ultimate warrior running down the ramp like a madman yeah, with his his things so tight around his body. I know it looks like they were about to burst. <laughs> yeah, no, all all of it. So, um, no, his was a great one as well. Yeah, great discussion. I really enjoyed this question. Thanks for sparking this conversation, Dave. Entrance themes and entrances themselves with the video package and the pyro and the cot, like the ring gear. I think all that is really important more than people give it credit for like i said it kind of helps the audience connect with the wrestler sometimes they might not have connected with otherwise i agree and so uh thanks dave for uh teeing it up for us on a great heads and tails segment and when we come back it's time for ask two-faced our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com, where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which you can find on webtoons.com. Just search for The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, and you can read it for free. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and before we move on, we want to remind you that we want to send a big thanks to St. Arnold Brewing, having a delicious art car IPA as we do the show. And remind you that uh, 
20 years ago, they wanted to open a beer garden. Last month, it came to reality as uh, St. Arnold opened a beer garden and restaurant, which is open seven days a week right in the uh, shadow of downtown Houston, right off I-10 there in Houston. Check it out. All the beers are there, including this art car, uh, and, and as well as their newest beer, the St. Arnold Palmer, which is a take on an Arnold Palmer. It's got some lemon, some iced tea, and oh, beer. So I like that. Uh, that sounds cool. <laughs> and, of course, food open seven days a week. Uh, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays are open until 11 o'clock at night. So if you're in Houston, make sure you check out the new beer garden at St. Arnold Brewing. And now it's time for Ask Two-Faced, and we remind you to please use the hashtag Ask Two-Faced. And follow us at Two-Faced Pod, because that's where you can ask us questions. Just tweet at us, DM me, or use the hashtag like you just said. So now we're starting off with our first question at underscore ringside rant. That's our good friend RJ. Which was the best feud, Eddie versus Angle, Hogan versus Savage, Y2J versus Benoit, or HBK versus Triple H? I guess I'm going to go the old school route. I'm going to go Hogan versus Savage because it was such a great storyline. Obviously, Miss Elizabeth figured into that, and she was like America's sweetheart kind of thing. And why is she with Randy? You know, he treats her so badly and all that stuff. So uh, I thought... I thought that was just a great rivalry. Um, even though Hogan wasn't one of my favorite wrestlers, obviously the character was bigger than life. And so I'll go with that one. That would be my choice, but it just comes in at number two. My first choice is Benoit versus Y2J. And that's because I'm a huge Chris Benoit fan of his wrestling. I'm a fan of his wrestling alone, not anything he did. I don't condone it. Um, I'm not saying he should be in the Hall of Fame or anything, because obviously that's not going to happen. I'm just a fan of him as a wrestler and his body of work in that regard no other way but yeah i like that so that would be my pick and uh his second question is do you think wwe could survive today on only the big four pay-per-views so he means SummerSlam, survivor series royal rumble and wrestlemania well could they survive yes i mean they just signed a billion dollar deal with fox so they're okay on the money front but no in that they're trying to drive as you've mentioned, Traffic. everybody did WWE Network. Yeah, that's like kind of the way of the future for them, even though that's not where the big, big money is, because that's the TV deal, as you just mentioned. But they do want subscribers to go to the network, and for the network, they need programming and footage and content. So yeah, I don't think they're going to cut down on their pay-per-views, but technically they could survive, and actually, we all might enjoy it a little bit more, because the content wouldn't be so oversaturated. Yeah, There's so much wrestling content that WWE is putting out that I think it's all becoming thin and repetitive. And it's odd because they've got so many people to use, yet we keep seeing the same people over and over again instead of diving deeper into the roster, which they've got a really great roster. Next question is from Burt Macklin. If they did a Battle of the Network Stars type show, but instead of two types of TV shows, and of course... Bert may be showing his age with Battle of the Network stars. I remember that one. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed I knew what he was talking. I kind of assumed what it was about. They basically took stars from TV shows and put them against each other. Um, what about two wrestling companies? And what two wrestling companies would you like to see go against each other? And who would be on those teams? So I guess we could do it almost like a Survivor Series, five on five. Yeah, five on five. Okay, so I agreed with you. We talked about this before the show, New Japan versus WWE. Obviously, yeah. So let's just play... Do that together. So uh, for New Japan, I know we both agree, agree on Suzuki. Mm -hmm. um, Kenny Omega, Okada, Naito, 
I would pick Osprey then for yeah. my fifth. Yeah, I think I'd go with that. And then WWE, even though he's not the most popular, Roman Reigns has got to be on it. <gasps> Seth Rollins, I think. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe, I think, would be my That'd five. Be great. But the one we didn't put on the New Japan squad. Ishii. No, well, yes, but he he might just kill everybody. No, Tomatonga, so he and Roman could go against oh, each other. Oh, really? we've got to have that. What am I talking about? Because you know, there's been a like, controversy. That'll be a whole spinoff episode of Battle of the uh, WWE and New Japan stars. Yeah, that would be perfect because it's already happening outside of the ring over Twitter. It's crazy. I love it. I love We talked about it last week, Tomatonga mocking Roman Reigns. Oh, it's great. All right. All right, next question comes from Jason underscore Span. What motivated you two to start Two-Faced Wrestling Talk? Well, uh, really you. I mean, we... For you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we watch wrestling. Uh, I've watched wrestling since since the early 80s, and I uh, always liked it, but uh, never, I'd never give... I'm in sports, and I'd never even given a thought of any podcast, even in my soccer realm or any of that, uh, but you came to me with the idea. Yeah, and I knew you'd do well as my co-host because obviously you have all that TV experience, and I have the TV experience too, so I wanted to start a podcast like years ago, but actually somebody was doubting that I could do it, and they were like, you know, it's a lot of work to have a show about wrestling and stuff, and like ever since then, I was like, I know I can talk about wrestling, like I'm so passionate about it, I had this urge to talk about it with other people who liked it too, because you know, where we live is not like the biggest wrestling town. No. There's not a lot of wrestling fans that I know personally who live around me. So I was kind of starving to talk about it with others. And yeah, I went on forums, but I wanted to kind of like talk verbally, not just type it out. Um, so first I decided I want to do a podcast. Played around with the idea. My boss, who's also on TV, said you should do like a YouTube show where you're on camera. You've got television experience, you know how to edit, and you're a woman talking wrestling, which is like unheard of. So she doesn't know anything about wrestling, but she knew enough to say that. So that started my YouTube channel. Then later, I decided to add on this podcast, because we're about, you know, how many podcasts have we done at this point? About 24, I think. Mm -hmm. So So six months into it. Yeah, and I I like the podcasting platform, but it is a lot more preparation work and uh, a lot longer of a format, whereas my videos are shorter, (laughs) but there's a lot more, you know, precise editing with that too so i don't know just the passion and me wanting to share that passion with others is kind of what drove me to start this podcast and me talking about wrestling on any platform it's so much fun to share like passions and i don't know people don't give wrestling fans enough credit they like to say that wrestling fans are dumb i can't believe that anyone thinks that because well, I'm kind of dumb, but, you know, that's Whatever. that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Maybe I have to agree with you a little bit, but <laughs> no, no, you're not dumb. But really, some of the most intellectual, thought-provoking discussion happens between wrestling fans. It's crazy. You just go on Wrestling Twitter or on Facebook or on forums, and there's all this discussion. Even go on Wrestling Inc., look at their articles and all the comments. People just going on and on and on with thoughts, opinions, posing more questions. I love that type of analytical discussion, and wrestling's like a great tv show that never ever ends it's like binge watching your favorite show that just will keep going on and on forever the characters eventually change but uh it's always going to be around it's always going to be something familiar that you can get into and uh now being a part of the wrestling inc family uh we've we've reached more of you uh listeners and viewers so uh 
It's only going to get bigger, we hope. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, and again, come see us at StarCast. We're going to be getting great, great interviews. I've got my fingers crossed for some stars that I really want. And it's all coming to Wrestling Inc. So be sure to stay tuned to all of that. And something else we may do, depending on the logistics, is we may take a lot of video questions from you, the fans, to plug into the shows, as opposed to a week of not taking any Twitter questions or a couple weeks. We may just take a bunch of questions that we get from you at our table at StarCast. So, yep, so be sure to stop by. Yeah, come by with uh, your normal great questions. And if you can't be there, like I said, tune into Wrestling Inc. on YouTube. Next one, Metal underscore 2006. Take a legend from the past who doesn't wrestle anymore, who's passed away. They come back in their prime to wrestle Kenny Omega. Who is it and why? And then also a tag team comes back to take on the Young Bucks. Who is it and why? Obviously, he knows who my favorites are. <laughs> so he's asking a question kind of geared towards that. This was a difficult question. I think that Macho Man versus Kenny Omega would be an amazing match. Macho Man had like such a reputation for planning out his matches meticulously. Kenny Omega loves to have a great match. And I know he puts the same amount of thought into his matches. So both of them together... To me, it would be like another Steamboat and Macho Man match. Well, that was one I was thinking of, but to give you a different one, I think I may have even said this in the past, Kenny Omega versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think would be just terrific for just for the promos. Oh, it would. <laughs> and here's another one real quick, Brian Pillman versus Kenny Omega. I think the, the clash of their personalities, if you take the Kenny Omega version that's more like the Terminator type of character versus this... He's more of a babyface right now. So if you, you go back like a year or two where he's kind of a little more heelish, that version versus the loose cannon Brian Pillman, awesome. And then as far as the Young Bucks, uh, I think I've said this before, I'd like to see Edge and Christian go up against them. I'd like to see the Dudley boys in their prime go against the Young Bucks. But uh, also, this would be a weird match because totally a clash of styles, but they all have big personalities. The Road Warriors <laughs> versus the Young Bucks. How weird would that be? Oh, I, I kind of would pay to see that. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. All right, next question. At Mr. Dose 2, without heels, pro wrestling today would cease to exist. Who are your top three favorite heels in the world today? Mine are Champa, Jay White, and mostly all of Suzuki Gun. I'm not sure I can go with a different answer because right now Jay White is doing unbelievable heel work. He has been great. Uh, Champa to me is one of the great heels in wrestling right now. But if I'm going to pick somebody different, uh, I'll go with Tama Tonga as my third one right now because he's doing great heel work and he's inciting a, a guy from another promotion. He's inciting management at New Japan. He's, he's uh, a, braiding fans. Yeah, he, yeah, he went after a fan. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with Tama Tonga as my third one. Good one. I'm going to go with, and people are going to be upset that I am leaving. Champa or Champa, sorry, we know the pronunciation now. Yes. I'm leaving Champa off the list, but I think he's a great heel. Um, people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're so pro," you know, every other promotion but WWE and NXT. That's not true. I love NXT. I just there's some other heels that really I just love. So first is of course Minoru Suzuki. He's probably my favorite wrestler. Period. So of course I'm gonna pick him as my top heel. Second, Sammy Callahan, because he's literally the most interesting guy in a whole promotion. A whole promotion. NXT is filled with other great wrestlers. Impact, like, Sammy Callahan is, like, the cream of the crop there. And he really changed a whole bad situation into something that would work for him. That's what wrestling's all about. Tweaking reality, 
a little bit to use it for your character, to use it for your storylines, to use it for your matches, to make it work for you. And then lastly, Zack Sabre Jr. Because just for the fact that he turned me into a fan from his heel work alone. Mm -hmm. And that says a lot about his character and heel work that makes him deserve a spot on this list for me. And you put him with Suzuki, they're so good together. So, yeah. Perfect tag team. I love when they work together. And actually, there's somebody I could have put on the list instead of Zack Sabre Jr., and it would have been Cody Rhodes when he was a heel. He's more of a babyface right now because of the whole all-in thing, uh, because he's made up with the Bullet Club, made up with Kenny Omega. Yeah, I love Cody as a, a face. He's actually thrived in every single role he's ever been in, including going all the way back to WWE. Even gimmicks that shouldn't have gotten over, he kind of made get over for a little while he always did his best with whatever he was given but i actually posed a poll on twitter and said cody rhodes has been great in every situation especially since leaving wwe to me he was one of the best heels around he's a good face too but i find myself missing his heelish antics and attitude do you prefer him as a face or heel Feel free to elaborate. And the choices were heel, face, and no preference. There was 380 votes, so people really were into this poll. 69% said heel. That was the winner. Then, coming in second, no preference. People saying he was good in either way. And very few said they preferred him as a face. And some people really, they elaborated and had really good reasons. At Chibi Halloween, there are just some guys who are born to play the heel, like Triple H. Bobby Roode... Champa, and also Cody, in my opinion. The heat he got after he said he wanted to change the Bullet Club logo was amazing. I remember seeing a guy set in a Cody shirt on fire. That's some old school <laughs> heat. And I agree, that's really, really rare to get that type of heat these days, and that's why Cody was amazing. Um, at Aaron Chasco 1, no preference. Cody is great in any role playing at the time. In real life, he's one of the nicest guys on earth. PC Hasler says, heel Cody is a beautiful thing. Randy Higgins, 757, he has a unique way about himself that he can merge both heel and face, much like Flair. Ant won't stop said heel, the blonde hair and the expensive suits. He's like everything his dad hated. I love the heel American Nightmare. He's a very old school type of heel, almost along the lines of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Next one is at GFan1954. Actually, at least in the WWE, is a face I always found him a bit whiny. He gives off the perfect air as a heel. At Roy underscore E-L-B-E-E, -E -E, he's actively a blast to hate, <laughs> which is becoming rare. So heal all the way. At Drakeo 2.0 says, I have no preference really, heel or face or tweener. Cody always delivers in his matches. And finally, at Baron A5H, Cody Rhodes is a really genuine good guy, and they tend to play the best heels. The opposite tends to be true as well. Crummy people normally play great faces because they are compartmentalizing sociopaths. <laughs> That's quite the line there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what is your choice? I say heel all the way. I miss his heel nature every day since he's changed back to being a face. Well, I think they went away from him being a heel too quickly. I know, that, he that's was so my, good. That's my problem with it. Like, they could they could have let that story go for a year and a half, two years of him being a heel. Right. The they whole, really could have. The whole reunion thing seemed to, 
to happen too soon. Well, obviously there was other storylines in play, and that's why they changed it all back because of the firing squad and such. But I know you probably would have loved to seen Cody go with the firing squad and stay as a heel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, maybe we'll see Cody turn back because I would really love that, and it could be a great story too in the future. Yep. Finally, from at view from top rope, and uh, this is a question right up my alley. He said facetiously. Uh, we love to make up Pokemon evolutions and make them into wrestlers. So I want you to take five different Pokemon and say which wrestler would be that Pokemon. You can do some evolutions if you want. And one of our favorite examples is Sunil Singh. Evolves into Almas. Evolves into Rusev. And that would be our Bulbasaur evolutionary tract. So, I wasn't sure you would know how to say Bulbasaur. Uh, go ahead. You don't know anything about Pokemon. No, no you're, you're I... lucky I even pronounced Pokemon right. I watched the show, but, like, you know, I'm not a Pokemon Go player, but I really got into this question. I had a lot of fun researching. I've got to give props to my good friend Burke at work, my best friend. He helped me come up with some choices and research some of the best personalities and traits of Pokemon to pair with people. He doesn't know anything about wrestling, but he knows Pokemon. So thank you, Burke. So here we go. I have a couple. Um, I'm really proud of my choices. So there's a Pokemon called Machoke. My choke. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but he looks like a wrestler. He's even wearing like a wrestling belt, and he's like this little buff-looking creature. And I would pick Brian Cage to be that. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put some pictures up of these Pokemon so you'll see what they look like. If you're listening at home, I'll try my best to describe them. Then there's like a devil or a devilish type of character. And in fact, in the Pokedex, it's described it's been banished because of its violence. Its name is Giratina. And I pick that one to be Sammy Callahan. Perfect, because he's so violent. Everyone doesn't want to be around him. He would, of course, be banished if he was a Pokemon. That's who he'd be. So, Suzuki, I had to pick one to be Suzuki, of course. Since Suzuki's nickname's the King, there's a Pokemon called Kingdra. And not only does it have King in its name, it has a snarl. It looks like a seahorse, but it has, like, this evil, like, snarl-looking thing. And in the Pokedex, it says he, uh... When he's alone, he wanders for prey. So I kind of imagine Suzuki being this creature looking for his next uh, young lion to beat up. That's his prey. I think that's the perfect pairing of Pokemon in person. So Togepi, the cutest Pokemon ever. And this one I came up with all on my own. Kyrie Sane. She's so cute and lovable, much like little Togepi. <laughs> that's who I'd pick. Um, if you guys don't know what Togepi looks like, look it up. It looks just like Kyrie Sane. Okay. It would be perfect. I'll take your word for it. All right, and Osprey, I had to pick, like, a bird type of hawk creature, which is perfect because Osprey is based on the bird Osprey, Staraptor. So that creature looks exactly like a hawk, and it's got this weird little, like, hairdo, which kind of looks like Osprey's hair kind of flipped to the front. I don't know. I thought it was the perfect choice. Then there's, it's hard to pronounce this, but it's Toki Demars. And that would be Candice LeRae, because it's a cute little mouse-looking hamster thing. Candice LeRae is so sweet and innocent. I think it's the perfect Pokemon to be her. Uh, then there's this machine-looking, robot-looking creature called Genesect, and it has a cannon attached to his back. It was altered. I picked that for Kenny Omega, because when he's like in the Terminator version, obviously, he's half-machine, just like this Pokemon. 
I had actually a lot of others. I'll do a bonus level where I say a few others. I had so much fun doing this. Thanks to you from the top rope. It was yeah, a hard thanks. question. <laughs> thanks a lot. Whatever. <laughs> it was fun. Too bad you didn't even research or put any effort. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Well, I know you don't know Pokemon, but I'm not the biggest expert. I made something of it. But anyway, thank you to all of you for all of your questions. We really enjoyed them. It was a lot of fun answering. And finally, it's time to close out the show and send them home. And uh, Kelsey's got uh, two, so I'm going to abstain this week and let her uh, talk about two separate topics. First, Batista. Batista is one of my favorite wrestlers in terms of he's got a, like, a humbleness that I think people don't see and didn't see when he was in WWE. The fact that he was willing to come back full-time after he had already done Guardians of the Galaxy, he wanted to come back and do a run, and he wanted it to be a real, legit run, as in he did all the TV, he did the pay-per-views, he wasn't just a part-time guy like Brock Lesnar, and he could have been, because to me, out of all the actors that came out of WWE, Batista is the best one. Yes, much better than The Rock, in my opinion, because the acting he does is a lot more believable, there's a lot more subtleties in his performances like if you look at his role in guardians of the galaxy he has a little bit of comedy in that role but he could also play like the emotion like because he lost his family and you could see that a lot he wears a lot of emotion in his face in that role perfect and that brings me to my point guardians of the galaxy of course there was that whole controversy with james gunn batista is so loyal he's saying he is ready to walk away from that role you know how much money that role is you know how much money that movie makes? He's w willing to walk away if James Gunn does not come back to the project. Because this is how strongly he feels in support of James Gunn. He doesn't support the tweets. I mean, they're so old, they're right. jokes. But he supports the man. And he knows the man to be a loving guy. And a guy who's helped Batista along in his career. And I remember hearing Batista do interviews on podcasts talking about how he got that role. And how his relationship with James Gunn was important to him. So... I think it's really heartwarming to see him support the director so much, so much so that he's willing to walk away from such a big thing. Yeah, the the whole cast has gotten behind James Gunn, but the most vocal but, is Batista. Yeah, Batista is taking it to a whole different level with uh, his actions here, and it's very commendable. And you could read more specific tweets he's kind of tweeted out in support of James Gunn. You could see all of that documented in articles on WrestlingInc.com. All right, and you've got a second topic you wanted to hit on. Yep, my second topic, there's this awesome photographer, and he does the most amazing photographs of wrestlers. And he does a lot of work with Progress and other British wrestlers. I started to follow him when I discovered Marty Skrull. He does a lot of Marty Skrull's merch. He did his entrance video, and he actually did a Q&A with Marty and I was able to ask about the entrance really really easy to talk to guy on Twitter so his name is James Musselwhite and he did this awesome Jimmy Havoc calendar and every month of the calendar is a picture of Jimmy Havoc kind of spoofing a horror movie and every month I've been kind of tweeting out a video the last only two months I've been doing it, but I'm going to do it for the rest of the year, where I turn the calendar page to reveal the new Havoc. Like, so what's this new Havoc this month? And this month, we didn't quite know what it was. It was like him in a hole, kind of coming out of the hole in the ground with his, like, arms, you know, scrunched, like, ah, I'm going to get you. And I tweeted the calendar turn, and James Musselwhite, who is the photographer, 
and the photography company is called Portrait of a Wrestler. He tweeted, this is our tribute to the film The Descent. It was photographed near Kent. Five minutes afterwards, we were questioned by two police officers, the true story. And he was so cool, he told me to tag him every month and he'd give me a behind the scenes story about the calendar photograph. So cool. I love hearing little stories like this. Yeah, great that he uh, responded to you. And uh, he, the calendar has been great. Make sure you check out his Twitter at y 2 Bob and uh, check out the calendar. He, he's done some good work. Uh, some of them are really, really good. Yeah, portraitofarrestler.com. We've had a lot of fun with those calendars, and we've had a lot of fun with you this week. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff coming up, and we remind you to make sure you follow us at Two Faced Pod and check out our live reaction video after the conclusion of G1 Climax 28. Thanks so much for watching. That's the finish. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save